Hello, this is uh, Bishop Christopher Mukwavi, Senior Pastor at Living Hope Church, Pentecost Assemblies of God, Zambia. I want to welcome you to this uh, podcast as uh, you listen to this message. Our goal here is to preach a holistic message that will bring total transformation to our lives. God bless you as you listen to the message. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. I'll be preaching for the most part uh, the next two months through this passage of scripture. So I will unpack um, most of the verses to do with the theme from this scripture as we go on laying the foundation. After these things, now there are things proud to this in Luke chapter 9, which I'll make reference to through my preaching. So after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, some of your versions say 72, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one along the road. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray together. Father, indeed, we thank you that we have this opportunity in this day and this hour to participate in that which you are calling us to do, to participate in what you are doing. We thank you, O Lord God, that indeed in participating in what you are doing, we too will harvest in numerous ways that which you want us to harvest. I pray that, Lord, you transform each one of our hearts and our lives as we hear this word preached and that you grant me prophetic utterance to speak this word as I should. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may take your seats. So, the theme for this year, we continue to participate with God in transforming our communities. And last year we looked at um, revisiting the mission of Christ. This year it's a call to harvest. Amen. I'm saying it's a call to harvest. Amen. Harvest time is here. Amen. Now, many of you are behaving like those children that drag their feet and you are farmers and um, now it's harvest time and your parents have announced that tomorrow we are going to bring in the harvest and we are all going to the field. May those strongholds be broken now in the name of Jesus so that we can join our Father in the harvest field. Amen. There are moments that I regretted not having gone with my Father into the harvest field. There's this one time, particularly when I think something had happened, I faked an illness. So I slept, continued to sleep, and Daddy went alone. 
and among the numerous days, he came back with a guinea fowl. And you know, at the village, you don't see meat all the time. He came back with the guinea fowls and my mother that day had cooked lubanga. You know what lubanga is? Sunta. It's, it's a kind of has a bitter taste to it. No cooking on, no tomato, no onion. Just flat. I can tell you, my father finished eating that guinea fowl without sharing with me. <laughs> so, that will happen to you this year if you don't share the harvest task with your father. You are looking for a breakthrough. You are looking for abundance. You are looking for God to come through for you, to grant you favor, to bless you abundantly, financial breakthrough. Know where to begin and how to begin. But may God answer you this year. May God meet the desires of your heart. As a matter of fact, next Sunday as we go on, I'm inviting you to bring your faith prayer submissions so that you can bring them to the altar here and submit them to the Lord. My wife and I will pray over them and continue to pray over them. And you know very well that there have been testimonies to this effect that God has answered the prayers of the faithful. May you be one of those, yes, whom God, whose prayers God will answer. And there's a, a, a few weeks, a week that I will dedicate just to be here at the altar. I won't leave the altar from zero eight, eight hours to 16 hours. I will just be here crying to God for your requests. But that does not mean you must be lazy and not pray for yourself. I am only doing my part. Me, I will have a double reward. Me, I will have a double pay. What about you? So each one must carry his own Lord. So community transformation, a call to harvest. We are living in very difficult times. We are living in perilous times. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible tells us that, but know this, that in the last days, perilous or difficult times will come. Perhaps you've been waiting that you're really going to revive yourself now after COVID is behind us and no hassles. I will be on for Jesus. Let me announce to you that another set of difficult challenges will come your way. What will you do? The apostles already predicted that in the last times, perilous, difficult times will come. Now, if Paul is saying difficult times would come, you count how many difficult times he himself went through. Can you imagine that more difficult times than in Paul's time? We haven't even gotten into the rest of it yet. So difficult times will come. And we are living in these difficult times. COVID-19 is just one of the signs that has appeared at the end of the ages. And I want you to know that we are now at the end of the ages. Very difficult times ahead of us apart from what we are experiencing already. But that does not give me fear. That should not give you fear because you know whom you have believed in and you are persuaded that is able to keep that you have 
which you have committed to him against that day. That does not mean that you must not engage in your calling. That does not mean that you must not engage in your progress, in your career, in your business. Go on. Within the difficult times, God will bless you. God will go before you. The difficult times before us are also meant to be fruitful times. They are not times to deter us from being productive. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ himself warned us of these times. In Matthew 24, verse 1 to 4, the passage that I just want us to read through completely. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, this is the time that Jesus left Jerusalem, the temple, and never returned to the temple until the temple was destroyed in AD 70. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I said to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, droughts, pestilences, COVID-19, and earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Beginning of what? Sorrows. Beginning of sorrows. Then... They will deliver you up. Who will be delivered? To tribulation. And kill you. Who will be killed? And you will be hated. Who will be hated? By who? By all nations. For whose sake? For my name's sake. Christ's sake. Further on. And then many will be offended who betray one another and who hurt one another. Verse 11. Then many false prophets, and over the share bit of them, will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many, many Christians will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now listen to this. And this gospel, the good news of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. I've got preachers of the gospel right here. I've got preachers of the gospel hearing me, yes, virtually right here. 
Listen to me. This gospel needs to be preached. It's part and parcel of the times in which we are living. Perhaps you are waiting to see things improve. But I want to announce to you that the time of harvest is upon us. The time of harvest is upon us. Even though it may look dry, it's harvest time. Even though there may be difficulties around us, it's harvest time. It's not time to fold our arms. Wait until COVID finishes. What if it doesn't finish? What if another one comes? COVID came, then it bore another COVID. It came, it bore Delta. Delta came, it bore Omicron. What will Omicron bear? We don't know. But our God is forever. We need to just hang in there in the grace of God. We need to be found to be different from others. We need to be people of purpose. People defined by God's purposes. People that follow after God's will. Are believers also contracting COVID? Yes. Have believers died? Yes. They have died. But God lives forever. They saved their purpose. We are saving our purpose. This is the day. This is the hour. This is the time. It's harvest time. COVID harvested what it wanted. You need to harvest what the kingdom of God wants. Each one of us. We need to engage into harvest. Do not give room to COVID to harvest men more. Do not give room to, to accidents to harvest men more. Do not give room, yes, to other sicknesses and diseases to harvest anymore. You need to go into the field and begin to harvest one person at a time. One person at a time. You know, difficult times, as you have heard, they will never elude us because even Christ experienced them. Christ encountered hostility in the Samaritan village. And that's why the Bible says, after these things, Christ sent a team of 17. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56, the Bible says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him. Who didn't they receive? Christ. Why? Because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And Samaritans were at uh, loggerheads with the Jews. So when his disciples, James and John, these are sons of thunder, eh, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command the fire to come? down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did. Jesus said, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. This is not time to destroy the harvest. 
it's time to harvest. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, and they went to another village. So that's the reason why Christ came. In the midst of difficulty, Christ was not deterred. He focused his eyes on what the Father had called him to do and to accomplish. Jerusalem, the final journey, the cross, and no one was going to stop him. No one was going to own him and possess him. The Samaritans wanted to delay him, possess him. He is ours. But Christ says, no, I have a mission. My father has sent me. It's until I go to Jerusalem that all of you now will be saved. Many who wanted to follow Christ misunderstood him. People wanted to possess Christ for ulterior motives. People wanted to follow Christ for good times. How about having bread multiplied in a drought season like this? How about having fishes multiplied when the fishes have depleted in the rivers? That's the reason why some people are saying, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. And those whom Christ called and said, come follow me. I just have one business transaction to sign God. Let me go and bury my father first. Then Jesus answered in Luke chapter 9 verse 57 to 62. And he says the following. Luke 9, 57 to 62. Is that coming up? Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Verse 60, Jesus answers. He said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Dear friends, the agency, the agency of harvest is upon us. And this is what Christ is communicating to us this morning. The agency of preaching the good news is upon us. Time is being subtracted from your life right now. And what has been subtracted from you will never come back. I was young like you, some of you. I had the privilege of wearing an English table cut. <laughs> but now I have a heavenly table cut. Praise God. I was like you. But I thank God that I never waited for time. I utilized every time, moment, and opportunity. Never lose any opportunity. Gogochiro, how old are you this year? This year will be 82. But she knows, she knows now that she is descending very quickly to the end. And she doesn't want to lose any minute at all, any second at all. If you know her, any second counts to her. Right now, I'm just wasting her time to even make her sit there. Just wasting her time. But every second counts. When you find her walking, I've, many times I found her walking by, by, by the road. I stop. I want to give her a ride. Daddy, 
I cannot afford to have a ride in your car. I'll arrive too quickly because when I'm walking, <coughs> excuse me, I may find somebody who needs Jesus. Then I'll talk to them. So may that be our heart. Every moment counts. And God has given us opportunities of interacting with people in all angles, age groups, levels, nations. And God is not asking for too much. Christ has sent us to bring the harvest. In John 4, verse 31 to 38, this is the time when Christ encounters the Samaritan woman. Meanwhile, he had sent the disciples to go and get food from the city and bring food and brought him food to eat. And Jesus refuses to eat. He says, no, my food is that to do the will of him who sent, who sent me. So in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. Verse 2, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I said to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Christ was anticipating that woman coming back with the whole city. And he saw them in the spirit. And he, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both, the, the, both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. That's seven. For in this, the saying is true. One sows, another reaps. Verse 38. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Christ had a burden, and the burden that he had was to complete his task. Do you know your task? Do you understand the mission, church? Do we know the mission that we have? We have and do we understand the mission in the same manner in which you were harvested in this mission is the same manner you need to harvest others. Do not let people who did not sow reap where they did not sow. The devil did not create any human beings. The devil did not die for anyone. COVID-19 did not give birth to anyone. It is only taking. Don't allow it. Go there before it arrives and harvest. So what am I saying here? God wants us to know we have the honor to be co-workers with him. We have the honor of partnering with him in his mission. It's a privilege. It's an honor to work with your dad. What do you do for your living? Oh, I work with my dad. That's the pride. It's a pride that, 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 that we share together. And uh, <clears throat> I read something on... Um, um, on social media posts, one young lady was saying, hey, I save money in the bank of mommy. 
<laughs> in the bank of mommy, okay, or the bank of daddy, I participate in the business of my father. My father is my business partner. A few times, <clears throat> um, our daughter would ask us, that's, that's, that's not, she was doing a business apart from working. She would send me money when, she would send me a message when she needed quite a huge investment in a business. Uh, then she would say, business partner, could you please lend me some money and I'll pay you a week from today. And then I'll give her the money and on the dot, she would pay the money back when she's made like 100% in terms of profits and also would give me some interest. How nice. So, God is your business partner. You need to partner with your father. It's an honor. Many times, my mother and my father would be working hard. It's hard there in the, it's in the wild, in the, in the rural areas to work. And my, my mother would be uh, just like a chorus. All this suffering I go through, it is for you. My father would also say that it's you I am suffering for. What I'm imparting with you, it's you who is going to enjoy. And I wish they were here to look at the fruit of their story. Of course, they enjoyed a bit of it. Each time I drive to the village, all I find is my father's grave. And I wish I could carry him in my car. I wish I could fly with him on the plane. But he was suffering for me. Jesus suffered for you. Amen. He suffered for you. Partnering with him is for your good. Participating in the harvest field of your father is for your good. Responding to the call to work with God in his harvest field will be fruitful when we work according to established principles. Somebody say established principles. They are established principles you must observe and take them seriously. They sound simple, but they are the ones that work. Number one, the significance of pairing. Somebody say Bearing in ministry. So, this year, take a deliberate step, an intentional step. Pair with your fellow brother. Pair with your fellow sister. Just declare, pray. As you pray this year, God, show me this brother or sister in church who, whom I am going to pair with. In this mission, you need to pair with one another in mission. Do not pair with one another to do crime, to do wrong, to gossip, to undo. Find somebody you can pair with to do the mission of the Father. Praise God. So the pairing principle is divinely breathed. In Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 to 10, says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Double labor means double harvest. For if they fall, 
one will lift up his companion. You fall all the time because you labor alone, you are alone. But what to him who is alone when he falls? For he has no one to help him up. Your spiritual life has been going down because you have not paired with anyone. For if they... Verse 11, oh, okay, we end up there. There's a lot more things uh, that, that's coming uh, down there. But it's very important that we find strength in pairing with one another. Definitely two are better than one. A three-stranded cord is stronger than a one-stranded cord. You can easily, you know, break the one strand of a cord. But when they are three interwoven together, two, three, it is impossible to just pull them apart. Just intentionally find somebody, not somebody who will be destructive to your life, not somebody who will bring you down, not somebody who will see everything bad in church, but find somebody who is going to say, let's fix it. Let's fix it together. Let's do our part and fix this. Let's work together. Let's, let's, let's gang up together and let's help that brother. Let's help that sister until they stand on their feet. Let's disciple that one. Let's go and reach out to that one. Let's bring them to Christ. Let's strengthen them. Two are better than one. Amen. There is unified faith and wisdom when you are the two of you. In my uh, young Christian upbringing, we would usually look for a prayer partner. Can you be my prayer partner? So you look for somebody who was, you know, lifted up in spirit, who was revived, who was passionate, and you begin to pray with them so that it rubs off on you, that you also are strengthened. But I also do know that as young men, if there was no other way of reaching out to this beautiful young lady, you just write a letter. Those days we wrote letters, a long one. Uh, I, would, I would like you to be my prayer partner. Oh, sure. Let's be praying together. Okay, but that's not what I mean. If if your intentions are, are to just get a beautiful girl, just go and tell them clearly and say you like them, you love them, and you like to marry them sometime. Okay, and having said that also, that in looking for a partner, of course, you are looking for, for one that, has, that is going to participate in a purpose. I'm not saying you cannot look for an opposite sex to be a partner in ministry, but make sure you are a tripartite now. Don't just be the two of you, man and girl, boy and non. Find a third person so that you become a three-stranded cord and work together in the things of God. In Matthew 18, verse 16, Christ speaks about this, this strength of two agreement together. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. In fact, further on, if we, if we may want, let's read up to 20. Let's do, read up to 20. If you can, let's read up to 20. And if, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the whole church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. This is about a person who should undergo discipline. Then furthermore, assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, 
will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19. And again I said to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Then finally verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Two are definitely better than one. When you find a partner this year in ministry, whatever you will be agreeing together, it will be done in heaven. It will be done in heaven. It will be done in heaven. Uh, in business, I think Kalaluka and uh, Godfrey, and at the time then, even Crispin, they were tripartite, but later on, they, they, they were two. They agreed together, let's do business. And they became Gokachi, and they worked together in business. Now, for some of you that are married, you are a couple, work together. That's even the ultimate, work together. If the enemy has divided you as a couple, see where he entered from. And then drive him out, showing him the door. Because God designed that you work together. Two are better than one. So find a person who's going to uplift you and strengthen you, not to bring you down. If you find a brother in the Lord and you think he's a faithful brother and you're a sister and you are praying together, then they begin touching you. Immediately, slap them and run away. <laughs> okay. Two are better than one. Actually, I, I, I mean that. Why should he be doing that? So, okay. So, there is mutual strength and courage when you are two. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them um, out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. So when you have power from the Holy Spirit and another partner has power and you encounter a power of demons, your power will be multiplied by two and will cast out the demon. In the name of Jesus. Two are better than one. So don't look at your own strength. Sometimes you think, no, I've never cast out a demon. I can't do it. Look for another person. Go together. Two are better than one. And in being two, there is accountability. Find a person, a brother in the Lord, a sister in the Lord, to whom you'll be accountable this year. Check on each other. Pray with each other. Share your struggles. Agree to keep confidence. Pray for one another. Uplift one another. It will be good for you. You will thank me tomorrow. Two are better than one. Number two, the opportunity of the ready harvest is before us. So take advantage of the opportunity of the ready harvest. So the harvest is always ready at any given time. It is us who are not ready. We need to have the readiness to go into the harvest. 
Those, dear friend, know this, that those who do not know Christ are eternally lost and they will go to hell. Whoever they are, beautiful people, ugly people, or the, simply the bored and the beautiful, whoever they are, the rich and the poor, if they do not know Christ, they will go to eternal destruction. Some of them are your husband, your wife, even your children. Some of them are your brothers and sisters. Some of them are your workmates. Some of them are your neighbors. If they do not know Christ, they will go to eternal destruction. No matter how much prayer you will do at their funeral, it will not change anything. Because good words are spoken on the funeral. No matter how long the mass is, when they have died, you cannot change a thing. Are you hearing me? And I want you to know, though they will go to hell, I want you to realize that each one of those souls have value, eternal value to God. But God has included you to be a partner in this harvest and he has given you opportunities. You have an opportunity to lead your own children to God. Do not squander that opportunity. You have an opportunity to lead your wife, your husband to the Lord. But the problem that we have is that we don't seize the opportunity. And when we see the opportunity, sometimes you want to do it by fire, by force. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Sometimes you want to rub the gospel into the throat until blood comes out. How about just the way you live your life? How have you lived your life before your children? How have you lived your life before your husband or your wife? Has your wife been a witness? Your life, has it been a witness? How have you lived your life before your workmates, before your neighbors? That speaks louder than every chapter and verse you are going to read. So God is calling us to seize the opportunity of the red harvest. We are letting the harvest go to waste. Take advantage of the questions your children ask. Children ask even very offensive questions these days, but they want to know. They just want to know. Spend time since the moment to share the love of God, how the love of God comes in. God has a mission to bring people out of the kingdom, kingdom of darkness. Will you join God in this mission? That's the mission, and that's why he sent Christ. People are willingly ready to come to Christ when they hear the good news. But the challenge is us. Do we share the good news? And when we share the good news, how do we share the good news? Do we live in the good news ourselves? May we walk and live the good news. Hallelujah. Praise God. God needs laborers to partner with in the harvest. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and emphasizing this fact that for we are God's fellow workers. 
You are God's field. You are God's building. We are God's fellow workers. What a privilege. Sense of pride, sense of significance for God to count us to be fellow workers. Oh, I work with God. Each time you share the good news, you have worked with God. Each time you turn somebody from darkness and they come into light, you have worked with God. And God will say, well done, my faithful servant at the end of the age. It will be so soothing, so satisfying, so, um, you know, so fulfilling to hear that word from God our Father and the white smile on his face over you. May God rejoice over you in Jesus' name as you partner with him in the work of harvesting people into the kingdom of God. Thirdly and lastly, the honor of partnering with God through prayer. Prayer is a principle that God has established that he will not intervene into our affairs until we engage him in prayer, until we entreat him in prayer. We are lords on earth. God gave us dominion, but we gave dominion to the devil and because we gave dominion to the devil, we now need to entreat God in prayer that he, come, he comes and intervenes in our realm so that the enemy can be driven out of our lives. In verse 2, here the Bible says, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Christ is saying pray. He himself did a great deal of praying. Sometimes we say, if God knows what he's supposed to do, why can't he engage and do it? On He knows. He knows he's the one who created the devil. But he didn't give the devil dominion on, on earth. You gave him. God gave you the earth. Then you surrendered the rights to the devil. Because we surrendered those rights to the devil, then we need to pray that the Father intervenes into the situation. It's an honor to pray. It's a calling to pray, to engage in prayer, that the Father can engage in our kingdom here on earth. God has designed to move into situations of people when believers pray. Just one person praying will change the circumstances of this nation. Just one person praying will change the circumstances in your family. Why don't you make yourself be that person praying? Just one person praying will change the circumstances of the situation in this church. Why don't you be that person? What if you were two? What if you were three? What if it was all of us? It would be a blast of the anointing of God. Many dangers, evil, and destructive uh, elements and forces work against the preaching of the gospel. And that's why Jesus says we must pray. There are many evils. For some reason, there are things that will stop you from doing God's work. There are things that will hinder you. There are things that will prevent you for some reason. There are those things. Look at COVID itself and the restrictions that have come. Look at the excitement 
that comes upon us when restrictions are given to how long we should come to church. We are so excited. And you want to be the first one to spread it, send to this platform, this pl- No, no meeting. No, you are, you are the one excited. You yourselves. <laughs> Until the minister of health he clarified, no. I said, you can meet, but observe the COVID rules. Can you see how we undo ourselves? <laughs> Me, I, I, I don't know. I just don't. These people. <laughs> have you seen this? Pastor, have you seen this? Why are we meeting? <laughs> there are dangers. And Christ says there will be more. People in Afghanistan, them are being slaughtered. Their throats are being slit when they go to pray. Who is, who is slitting your, your, your throat here? Is anyone shedding your blood here? No. It's just mask up, that's all. It's just keep a physical distance, that's all. Wash your hands. Sometimes, that's all. That's all. Could <laughs> shedding of blood here? No. <laughs> God's people, please. See, there is opposition and war against all who go out to harvest. Yes, the environment may be hostile, but may God grant us wisdom and grace and revelation how we are going to seize the opportunity and still do outreach in this context. People are afraid. Don't ever think that people don't want to hear the good news. <laughs> people who go everywhere, everywhere else but church. Yesterday, I was, uh, as we were driving in from Kitwe, we found that every more there was a show, big show. And people were running there. People were celebrating and dancing. I can't see that on church, in church. I can't see it. I can't see it. And who is party to all that? Ourselves. May God deliver us. Prayer is a combat weapon against evil powers that have held God's people captive. Let's join the combat warfare. Don't slacken. I want to conclude by saying that these three things, that the time to harvest is not the time to sleep. So if you are somebody seated within proximity, just turn around and tell them, wake up. And give each other time to hear. Just say, wake up. Wake up. This is what Ephesians 5 verse 14 is saying. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Let us wake up. It is not time to sleep. It's harvest time. Let us wake up. One of the highlights of harvesting groundnuts when you went in the field, you first light the fire to harvest groundnuts. The first uh, bundles that you dig out, you unplug, put in the pot, put on the fire, and you continue to work. At lunchtime, 
you recline around that big pot, sweet potatoes involved, and you eat. God will provide in the process of harvest. As you engage in this labor, God will provide for you. There is only one season of harvest and the crop might go to waste if you don't harvest it. Look at the destruction going on among God's people. Look at the drunkenness. Do you want to hear those horrible stories again? That a man kills his wife, a woman kills... I saw lots of reasons there. Did you see that horrible story of a mother slicing something from a child for eating a piece of chicken from all the pieces on Christmas. How many of you watched that on news? Christmas Day. Hmm? A child saw the chicken pieces were looking nice. So the child got to come a piece and he ate. The mother who bore her him, the mother went to the labor ward, got a razor blade, and sliced the manhood. <laughs> On a Christmas day, what well, a Christmas. Is that what Christmas means? And how did I go to that story? <laughs> I'm saying the crop is going to waste. While we are sleeping, wake up. Because we slept, that woman didn't receive the light of the gospel and did what she did. There are many evils that people are doing which we do not know. Let us make harvest, which is God's will, our intentional activity in our interactions this year. Shall we? In John 4, verse 34, Jesus emphasizes, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. There is God's work to be done. May that be our food. May that be our drink. May that be our purpose. May that be our breath. May that be our heartbeat. Stand up to your feet and make yourself available to partner with God your Father. It is harvest time. It is in His harvest that God's goodness will come upon you. It is partnering with Him in this harvest that the favor of the Lord will come upon your life. It is as you partner with Him in His harvest that your own calling is going to be realized and confirmed. It is harvest time. My prize, this message really encouraged you. It is my hope that you look forward to listening to the next message. God bless you.